component of community radio is our news and public affairs programming. WERU provides the community with informational and commentary short features, local call-in programs on a wide range of topics, and timely news reports that are local, national, and international in scope. So please call 1-800-643-6273 and pledge your support for this important radio service, including our online public affairs archive. That's 1-800-643-6273. And thank you for your support. Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock Counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. You're listening to WERU FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming all over the place at WERU.org. We are listener-supported Gee, that's important about right now, isn't it? We're volunteer-powered, and we're also a voice of many voices. Stay tuned for Main Currents. And this is Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, August 10th, 2016. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Today, our multi-partisan panel of guests return to Main Currents. We've been meeting about once or twice a month since spring to talk about the upcoming elections and some of the issues that will be on the ballot here in Maine in November. And while we do so, we are keeping in mind that we all belong to this community and will continue to be neighbors regardless of who wins the presidential election. So while tough questions are encouraged, we are keeping the discussion civil. Today is the first time we've met since the convention, so we'll be talking about that today and other recent campaign news. Uh, But first, we're going to start with introductions. And also, I want to just let listeners know we are still experiencing problems with the phone system that allows us to do uh, call-in shows and also do phone interviews, unfortunately. So we can't take any calls during the show today. I sincerely hope that in two weeks when this group meets again, we'll have the phone lines back up and running. But in the meantime, I've made a post on the WERU Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash WERUFM. And about the show, and in that comment section, I'll be checking it periodically. And if we have time, if you have any questions or comments there, uh, we'll get to as many of those as possible. Also, during the show, uh, you can email me at news at weru.org for questions or comments. And we'll try to get some of those on the air as well if we have time. Uh, That email address comes to me all the time, so you can send questions and comments there at any point if you want. But if you have questions or comments for these panelists... Um, obviously you can only send them in until the show ends and then they're going to go home and I won't be able to pass them on to them for a couple of weeks. So, uh, so try to do it during the show time. So we have a new member of the panel joining us today too. He's going to be alternating with, uh, the Clinton supporter, Steve Godso on the days when Steve can't be here. So welcome, Ken. Thank you. Ken Gleason will be introducing himself, but we're going to start the go-around in the opposite direction from what we did last week with the person on my right, Um, kind of ironically, actually. (laughs) (laughs) If we had the table structured politically, (laughs) she would not be the person on my right uh, with Betsy Gerald. And each of these folks is going to say, uh, introduce themselves, say a little bit about themselves, who they support and why, and then we're going to start talking about their reactions to all the political conventions that have happened since the last time we met. Well, most of them have been since the last time we met. Betsy. I'm just going to get my pitch in that the, the uh, call-in lines to pledge to WERU and help them with their Thank phone you. problems, they're still working. So do call and pledge while we're talking here. That's 1-800-643-6273. Um, my name is Betsy Gerald. I'm a past state party chair for the Maine Green Independent Party, and I'm still supporting Dr. Jill Stein, who is now officially our nominee. Um, She's the only non-corporate candidate in the race still. She's the only peace, people, and planet over profit person in the race. I just uh, watched her this morning on On Point, which is an NPR show, and she has such grace, and she is so smart and so kind and so hardworking, and she's done such great things for party building in the last four years, and I am enormously proud to be supporting her and um, look forward to voting for her in November. All right. Thank you. And this is Tim Wilson from Belfast, Maine. Uh, I am a Bernie supporter, or was. 
I went to a meeting of Bernie supporters in Waldo County. It's now Waldo County Progressives, uh, just to kind of see where everybody was after the convention. And uh, we heard from three convention delegates and also one person who went down uh, as an activist to attend the rallies and such outside of the convention hall. Um, and one of the convention delegates, Ursa, he broke it down really well. And he said there are were essentially three Bernie groups. There's first-degree burners who are taking his, uh, Bernie's lead and swinging over to support Hillary. There, and that's about 60, I'm going to guess like 60% of the group. There are second-degree burners that are more like about 30% of the group, and they're kind of undecided and drifting. And then there's the third-degree burners who are shifting over to green. Um, so uh, in my point of view now, I'm a third-degree burner, so <coughs> I don't want to be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, uh, also supporting Jill, and, um, and so that's where sort of the group is, and I'll be happy to report on the progress in that group and what happens here over time uh, with those people. All right. Thanks, Tim. And Ken, you're up. Welcome. All right. Thanks very much. Uh, hope you'll bear with me. This is my first time behind a microphone. Just keep talking right into the microphone. Okay. A little too far. All right. Uh, Ken Gleason's my name. We know that already. Uh, I live in Gouldsboro. Um, I'm 72 years old, and I strongly and unhesitatingly support Hillary and the Democratic Party in 2016. I see her as highly qualified and very dedicated and as honest as any politician can be. Uh, I'm particularly pleased with her skill and track record of engaging with all the players, reaching across the aisle, and yes, even walking on Wall Street. Coming together as a nation and as a global community is of tremendous importance to me. The good guy, bad guy, them, us mentality, which I see in members of all the parties, has done and is doing a huge damage to the fabric of our national and global communities. Stronger together is a slogan that I'm happy to repeat. Um, I've got a long history of being an independent, uh, even at times a raving moderate. Um, I'm motivated to be, here, to be here today because I, I see a mentality that is tragically destroying uh, a lot of our community spirit around here, this good guy, bad guy, us, them mentality. And uh, I see it as festering in America and worldwide. Uh, I see a connection with the Brexit vote in the UK, which I found quite alarming. Um, with this election, I see this problem coming to the forefront after lurking in the dark for many, many decades. I believe that for many people there is pain and suffering underlying the anger and hateful venting that's going on. I think for others it is a tool in the service of greed, arrogance, and the abuse of power. Ironically, I think Trump is doing a service by personifying this social f affliction, which has erupted in so many of the ancient fear-based attitudes that have brought such misery to the world for so many centuries. In personifying, uh, he clarifies the line of argument and hopefully mobilizes the people who think like I do. This invites a long overdue showdown and hopefully resolution. Sadly, I've, Trump seems to be immersed in the problem and has chosen to fan the flames of discord, making things worth, worse rather than offering solutions. I feel that all of us must listen to those suffering and angry and attend to those abusing power, but with the goal to respond with nonviolent peacemaking work. I envision an outcome where most of these long-term frustrations, angers, and disagreements can be resolved. I'm inspired by Nelson Mandela in Africa and George Mitchell in Ireland, along with many, many others. And I'm aiming to commit myself to working towards these goals. Long-term, I think accomplishing this will provide a firm footing for our world to move ahead and flourish peacefully during the rest of this new century and beyond. 
This can be done, this must be done, lest we as a world degenerate into a brutal and violent Old Testament time to which many, sadly, are so resigned and even comfortable. We must move beyond simple black and white thinking. With regard to the multiple parties, I think they're very desirable. But until we as a nation work through this period of extreme polarization and partisanship, we will have to wait until a more civilized political atmosphere. I, I really think that right now one must choose one side or the other or neuter oneself. Better to vote at the very least with a group that for you is least imperfect. However bad things may seem now, they could get much worse. Maybe think about which group down the road, near or far, is more likely to be open to the kind of change you desire long term. This is not a time to be pure, not a time to focus on favorites. The team is assembled, and my team is the Democratic Party, and please be part of it. I, uh, as, as an independent for ages, uh, was very uh, supportive of Bernie, and uh, disappointed he didn't get it, but uh, I'm fully behind uh, the Democratic Party right now. They're much more closer to things I think about. I've gone on way longer than anybody else, but I can stop here. Okay. Thank Thanks, Thanks Ken. And uh, Renee, you're up next. Let's grab that microphone right yes. over there. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Renee Trust from Town of Franklin. Um, welcome, Ken. Um, welcome to our little uh, our, our little group. Okay. Thanks, Renee. <laughs> um, Okay, I started, I started uh, Amy was nice enough to invite me to come on. I was a Republican at the time, and I am now a registered Libertarian. I, um, I thought it was very important that the Libertarian Party become a player in the state of Maine, and they are an official party in the state of Maine. So um, we had a small victory there, and um, I definitely line up and always have more with their platform than with the Republican platform, which I have no problem with. And I, in fact, I was even on the platform committee um, in the state. I started out as a, uh, a Scott Walker supporter initially, and um, I evolved into uh, liking when he dropped out uh, Ben Carson and Carly Fiorina, both. It was kind of a toss-up. I met them both at the uh, Republican State Convention, and... Um, and I became a, you know, she'd already dropped out, but Carly Fiorina would have made a fantastic president. Um, she has what it takes, and I hope she will run again in the future. Currently, I don't have a candidate um, in the Democratic or the Republican Party. Um, I did vote for Gary Johnson the last go-around. There's a couple things I don't love about him, but, you know, he has um, executive experience. His, his running partner is an, an excellent choice who also has done some great things in Massachusetts. I um, have a lot of great things to say about um, Gary Johnson, but um, I don't want to take up too much time, and I would like to hear from Dave. All right. Uh, yes, Dave Guglia from Blue Hill. I'm the... Uh I always, this is a long title, so I was trying to make sure I say it right. Hancock County at-large state committee member. Um, so, again, from Blue Hill, and I am a, a supporter of Donald Trump. Um, I've got a short statement here. I will read it and begins as this. Uh, contrary to what the media reports, America is not safe. Illegal aliens are pouring in from our borders that still remain unsecured. Hillary Clinton supports increasing the number of refugees that she feels should be given asylum in America. While it is true that America is the melting pot of our society, the people seeking refuge here are different, and they are different in a dangerous way. Countries across the globe are experiencing brutal attacks in their own homeland. They are dealing with hostile and radical extremists that seek, harm, seek to harm those that do not agree with them. These dangerous people are infiltrating the ranks of legitimate refugees by the hundreds. Many other world leaders are learning too late that these terrorists are being brought in under the guise that they are fleeing the very behavior that they represent. America's immigration system is overwhelmed and not working efficiently. Mr. Trump will get the immigration agents the support they need to do their job better and to ensure that we make America safe again. There is no doubt that America is not getting the best deal with international trade. Hillary Clinton supports the Trans-Pacific Partnership and NAFTA. These agreements are not in the best interest of our country. Mr. Trump will examine our trade deals, renegotiate the deals that are bad for America, and ultimately improve our economy by bringing back jobs right here to home. Mr. Trump will end the radical overregulation that exists, which hampers the success of American companies. Mr. Trump will make the decisions necessary to make America work again. 
The past eight years have resulted in the United States taking a back seat to the rest of the world. This overprotective, politically correct way of life has resulted in the inability to speak up for ourselves. Eight years of poor leadership and even poorer policies has weakened this once thriving and prosperous nation. Our founding fathers developed a system of government that protected liberty and encouraged American ingenuity that led hardworking, patriotic Americans to be successful and lift themselves out of poverty. These days, there are more Americans looking for a handout and not a hand up. Mr. Trump will strengthen our position in the world by rebuilding our weakened military, encouraging a business climate that makes America competitive and ensuring that we return to our former glory as one of the world's superpowers. Mr. Trump will put in the time and effort personally to make America first again. There is no doubt that this country is divided. We are divided not just politically, but economically and socially. Our love of country used to be enough to hold us united. The past eight years have fractured our ideals. It is now too common that we are made to feel bad for loving our country. We no longer trust our leaders, and with recent developments, our lack of trust is justified. We are learning daily of the corruption and greed that has confirmed our feelings. Mr. Trump knows that there is a genuine love of our country, and we will work to restore our faith in, in leadership. By facing our threats from abroad and resolving our own challenges on the home front, Mr. Trump will focus on what unites us and make America great again. All right. Thanks, Dave. And you're going to be up next. I just want to re-identify what you're listening to. This is Main Currents on WERU. And again, remind listeners that we can't take calls today. The phone system that uh, that deals with call-in shows and also phone interviews was affected by the lightning strike back on July 23rd. And the phone system itself has been replaced, but we found out some other parts are not working that are attached to it. So unfortunately, for the foreseeable future, we're not able to take calls. But I will be watching my email at news at weru.org and also the WERU Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash WERUFM. Give us a like while you're there. Uh, on that page on Facebook, there is a uh, post about today's show right near the top of the page, and you can make a comment in the comment section. I'll watch both places for comments and, as time permits, get them on the air as well. We're going to do another go around the table in the opposite direction, which is why Dave's back up on deck talking about the conventions i um understand the libertarian party had their convention back in may but since a lot is that not right yes yeah but okay okay all right yeah no one here none of us have attended any of the conventions but everyone's had a chance to kind of watch them or parts of them or see on social media and since the last time this group met the republican and the democratic convention have happened and then the green party convention just concluded so we're going to for uh each of our guests they may have seen different parts or have different responses just do another round table and get people's reactions to what they saw not only maybe at their own particular party's convention but uh, at the others as well anything you'd like to say about that start with you dave well i i obviously uh being a registered republican that's that's where i spent most of my time uh viewing um most of what i got from the democratic convention was probably uh online uh through facebook and other social media um just too, uh, probably too many late nights of that week of the Republican convention. So, um, but uh, I enjoyed what all the speakers had to say. Uh, just, I mean, the overwhelming love for the country uh, is what I what I saw come out of it. Uh, the ability of some people to speak who probably would not have been heard. Uh, whereas I'm referring to the uh, the, the mother of the, the gentleman who's killed in Benghazi, um, she might not have had a, a public microphone to speak to, other than being introduced there. Uh, some of the soldiers who've given. Uh, parts of their lives to the cause of our freedom, uh, getting the chance to come up and, and talk. So it, I, I just think it was great that, that they were able to put so much emphasis on, on country patriotism. Okay. Renee? Yes. Um, I didn't really, I don't have television at my house, but um, I do have YouTube. <laughs> and uh, I can't say that I paid very close attention, but I just couldn't ignore what was going on with the Democratic Convention this year. It was fascinating, to say the least. And, um, you know, it started off with um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz resigning and, the, and then all that. I mean, it was really fascinating. And, um, you know. I told you it was going to be good political theater. You yes. Didn't believe me. It was great theater. You were so <laughs> right. You, and, um, and, and, I do have to say that the uh, the Bernie Sanders supporters definitely impressed me at that convention. They took a stand and they didn't sit. They didn't take it sitting down. I, I can only imagine how they must feel um, be, betrayal, you know, from their candidate who 
you know, I, I'm not very impressed with the candidate, but I am impressed with the supporters. So um, I guess more will be revealed as um, time goes on. But, geez, you know, um, it, it, the Democratic convention seems to have stole the limelight as far as in a negative way, in my opinion. That's, that's all I have, thanks. Okay. Ken? Yeah. Um, I was able to watch uh, one evening of the Republican and two or three evenings of the Democratic. Yeah, hi there. Uh, and uh, I was very troubled by the uh, the one evening of the Republican. Uh, the amount of negativity, uh, personal, was just just depressing to me. And uh, very little proposals of substance was there. And uh, very, very troubling. It's just the opposite of the kind of uh, cooperation and, uh, you know, the kind of thing we're trying to do right here is not uh, not make it personal, not, uh, not just go negative, negative, negative. Anyhow, and then uh, at the Democrat, I, I really, uh, again, being an independent, being somebody who hardly ever watches the news... Um, I trust I'll get things from friends that I need to know. Um, I learned a lot about uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, in that convention, and I came away feeling uh, quite uh, quite happy. Quite, uh, I didn't hesitate to support, and I'm not hesitating to support the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a personality contest for sure. It's it gets back to the principles, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, it just there were there was just much more uh, positive and and some concrete things. And I was going to say something else, but it has left my brain already. Oh, you'll get it. You'll get a chance. Okay. And, and, and after we do this go round, if you all want to ask each other questions about what you just said, but we have time for that too. But Tim Wilson, you're up next. Want to grab that mic? Yes, and, and uh, yeah, I'm boycotting cable as well. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I think we get a low quality news product. You, you do away with it and and get. Uh, so I was live streaming uh, the conventions. Uh, I probably watched. I don't know four or five hours of the Republican and about the same of the Democrat. Democratic convention. I, uh, you know, the Debbie Wasserman Schultz thing was tough, and I think part of it was not only did it expose a lot of corruption. And Remind listeners, and just in case there's anybody out there who that name maybe they're not being able to place it. What you're talking about there with that whole controversy? Well, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was the head of the Democratic National Committee. She was formerly uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign chair in 2008. And uh, when Hillary wanted to install her as the head of the DNC, uh, she asked the existing head of the TNC to step aside. That was Tim Kaine, uh, who is now her VP running mate. Um, so when the WikiLeaks emails came out, it was clear that the scales had been tipped as much as they can because Bernie had been saying, you know, we aren't getting exposure for Bernie. Um, you know, the number of debates was cut from, I think it was 20 five plus to six. Three of them were scheduled on Saturday nights. Um, the last debate uh, before California, uh, Hillary backed away from her promise and uh, the DNC did not back us up uh, to, to impose that debate. Uh, so there was just a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of internal stuff about let's ask them religious questions before Southern primaries. Let's, it was just nasty. Um, some nasty stuff. And, and so Debbie rightfully resigned, um, as she should, uh, and, and now three other people have been fired. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly the issue on the Bernie side was that within an hour of her being fired for corruption, she was hired by the Hillary campaign, uh, which is, you just calls into question for them. Number one is what is the message to Bernie supporters? If you're saying, stronger together, but then you take somebody who's just quit for corruption and hire them. You know, that's, you go, what, what, what was that? So that lit up the Bernie crew. Um, so, it's, you know, it's just a, an example of what uh, cronyism is. Um, you know, this is, because she has a history with, you know, like Fernando uh, on the security advisory board, and he's a securities trader, and she, he's a big donor to her, her campaigns. And then she appointed him to the Securities Advisory Board. 
which is, you know, it's a pretty classified board dealing with, you know, nuclear policy and things that generally people have quite a lot of qualifications for. Uh, so, I mean, it's one of those things where it's a recent event that kind of shows things haven't changed. And a couple of shows ago, Renee said it was a lot like the Ron Paul campaign. And that is true for the third-degree burners. It was very much a Ron Paul campaign. We need to clean this out. We need to reduce our, you know, never mind. But um, <laughs> the, the idea was... You mean in terms of the way the party treated the... Candidates? Yes, and the positioning of the candidate versus the party, where the party actively worked against the candidate to tip the scales against them. Yeah. Um, and that is not supposed to be the way it is. The, the parties are supposed to be neutral, but they're clearly not. They are deeply in favor of the corporate candidate. Uh, so now we have Hillary, which for a third-degree burner, it's not a question of falling in line. You're asking somebody, you're asking like walk, uh, Occupy Wall Street people to vote for Jamie Dimon, the head of, of J.P. Morgan Sachs. So, you know, they can't do it. They can't. So uh, they have to go with Jill, who's uh, taken the same positions against Wall Street, against the military-industrial complex, and so on. Um, so it's, anyway. Sorry, no, I was just going to say that's a good segue. I thought you were done for, yep. for oh, uh, Betsy done? to talk you. about Your turn. Okay. The, the yeah. uh, Green Party convention. Which sure. Just well, I just want to say that I, being the total political junkie geek that I am, I watched all the conventions. But I, but I want to I wanna focus on the Green Convention because I was just so incredibly proud of the way it was run. Um, we, the, right at the beginning of prime time, we had a live interview with Julian Assange, uh, the man who has made us all aware of exactly how deeply corrupt all of our governments are, um, and it was the only the only um, convention that 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 was brave enough to put on um, someone who's fairly controversial. There's no way around it. And then right after that, we started the roll call of states, and the first thing that happened was a woman from Alabama stood up and made a rules challenge. And rather than silencing her or telling her to sit down and be quiet, they brought the rules committee chair up onto the stage and addressed her concern right then and there. And the woman who was running the roll call vote said, we do not silence people in the Green Party. And I was, I was in tears. <laughs> I was so proud of my party and the way that we handle our – because all parties have divisiveness within them, but the Green Party – sheds light on that and, and allows the, the discussion to happen and, and, and solves the problem as best they can. And so I was incredibly proud of that. I was very proud that Dr. Cornell West was one of the keynote speakers at the at the uh, convention. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot. I have a lot of pushback from friends about that I feel comfortable voting for Jill because of my white privilege. And yes, I'm a rich old white lady, and I and I understand that I have white privilege. But when you have the only party that has a person of color on the ticket, then I think that you have to stop talking to me about white privilege because we are a very inclusive party. We have um, the woman that that introduced that gave the votes for Maine is a, was a, is a Native American, and so you know it, it's it, it was just a it was a wonderful convention. I was just I was happy all the way through as I watched it. So all right, well, thank you all. And uh, Ken, I'm going to ask you in a second if you remember what you were going to say before, and then open it up to questions to each other about the convention. We also have a pile of questions here from each other that we're going to get to. But uh, just again, listeners, you're listening to Main Currents on WERU. And we're on until 5 o'clock during that time. If you want to communicate with us, the best way is via email at news at WERU.org or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash WERUFM. There's a post there about the show. Comment on that post. That's where I'll be able to find your, your comment. We do have, uh, we did receive one email from Yo. Yo says, it never seems to matter who's in the White House. History is always history. But it does matter how he got there. This election has been exemplary in its recourse to electoral fraud, corporate interference, media bias, vulgar rhetoric, brutal tactics, even murder. How can the outcome of such a chaotic process have any validity to a vast, disenfranchised electorate? Yo, merciless, merciless realist. So uh, feel free to email again at 
news at weru.org. And if you have any questions or comments to the panelists, we'll try to get to as many of those as possible. Ken, did you remember what it was that you were going to say? I did, believe it or not. And uh, it was, uh, I was just very happy with the participation of the burning people. And that that Bernie was so clearly uh, getting on board and saying, you know, let's let's all get together here. And uh, I was very happy to see that. And if, if anybody uh, deserves to be offended or, or uh, you know, resentful of the shenanigans, and I'm not denying there were shenanigans, um, but it's a matter of getting things in perspective. And so I was, I was very pleased with, with his reaction and, and the 60 to 90 percent that are open are already committed to, to the Democratic Party. Thanks. And when the burn is walked out, hi, sorry, (laughs) hi, it's Betsy. Um, When the burn is walked out, Jill Stein was there to meet with them and did meet with them for a couple of days during the the Democratic convention. And and we have had a flood of uh, third degree burners come into the party and into the into the campaign. And it's it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful thing that that these folks that were so disenfranchised by their own party have a place to go. Anyone else have any comments for or questions for each other regarding what you had to say about the uh, conventions? Is this third degree burners thing? Is this something that had you heard this before, Tim? Tim Wilson? No, just I, I, I thought okay. maybe he made it up, but I like it. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, our, our delegate Urson, I, I think it's Beckford or Beckwith, and uh, and also a quick shout out too is that. I can tell you that everybody in that meeting was behind Jonathan Fulford from Waldo County. So, <laughs> so uh, go, Jonathan, go. All right. Uh, we are also, uh, we haven't even talked about local candidates, and sometimes on these kinds of shows, they it doesn't make as much sense uh, in this context because the radio signal reaches such a wide area, and, and when you're talking about individual races, sometimes you're talking about just one small town's individual race, so we probably won't get too much to those. We will be trying to take up some of the referendum questions as we go on, though, and uh, we don't have one scheduled for today because of the fact that we want to do that while we can take calls, so we didn't schedule a referendum question for today, but instead we have a pile of questions in the middle of the table, which I'll be grabbing from at random that are questions that uh, the guests here wanted to ask each other and um, again if you want to jump into the conversation the best way to do that today here is to email news at weru.org before five o'clock uh, again if you email after five o'clock these folks aren't going to see your question for a couple weeks i mean i could forward it to them but they wouldn't probably i mean they're going back to their own lives so call in two weeks or email us before the show's over or go to the facebook page and i have some questions as well but we have done this before this thing where uh, as we get together before the show we have people write questions down that they would have for each other uh not because they're anonymous that way, but more so that we can just be grabbing them at random and try to get to as many as possible. And we haven't had as much time before because we had callers coming in. So this time, hopefully, we'll be able to get to some more of these. And I'm going to shuffle them up and just grab one at random here. And um, all right, so the first one I grabbed, uh, and this is, it says it's addressed in general to anyone. Do you see our political discussion shifting from left versus right to upper class versus lower classes? Mm. Good question. Who wants to Excellent jump in on that? Question. Betsy Garrow well, from yeah. Green Party. I, you know, Jill has talked a lot about about the, and Bernie did when he when he was running a, about the the fact that it it really is the um, the uh, control of the two corporate parties by the oligarchs that that uh, is uh, dri- number one driving voters away and and number two making it so difficult for the. Uh, Lower class and, and working class to to uh, survive and and have the life that that folks in the United States are, have come to expect that they are going to have and so um, yeah I think I think that the discussion is shifting more and more towards a, a, a more of a class based discussion than a than a political spectrum right to left discussion. Anyone else have any thoughts about that? Does whoever asked that question want to weigh uh, in on what you think about it? Is, yeah, is that Tim Wilson? I asked it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's the 1%, 99% kind of thing. I do think that there's an opportunity for 
powerful spokespeople for the 99% to unite across party lines. There's a lot of places we agree. I mean, if you look at you know, Bernie's campaign, the trade deals, TPP, Brexit, globalization, war versus peace, um, the use of the military, uh, all of those issues are uh, – you know, ha- stretch across or seem to be stretching to me across party lines. So it's like our libertarian friends and Jill are very similar on military oh, conduct, uh, and uh, uh, and of course uh, the uh, you know profiteers in the military-industrial complex are are uh, very different <laughs> to policies. And uh, this is Betsy, and I agree with Mr. Trump on his stand on the TPP. So, yeah, there is a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that cut across the political spectrum. Renee, you look like you might want to weigh in on this. You're leaning in toward a microphone, thinking about that, or yeah, repeat. Uh, just repeat the question for this me. This is Renee Trust. Uh, the question again is: Do you see our political discussion shifting from left versus right to upper class versus lower classes? So it's a more economic disparity rather than a political spectrum. What I think is happening is that the media is directing all this divisiveness wherever they want it to go. And and I don't see it going from left versus right to upper versus lower. I think it's us against them. I always have. The the divide and conquer mentality yes. is what you're talking about, Renee. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I watched a movie last night on Netflix. It was called The Giver. It was a very, um, it reminded me of the book by Ayn Rand, Anthem, which, um, you know, is an accurate description of this utopian society that they all, you know, want to, the progressives want to create. And um, I I urge everyone to watch The Giver. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? Dave Puglia? Well, I think uh, what I was thinking, you know, it, it would definitely have been an interesting, much more interesting election had perhaps Trump and Bernie separated themselves from the party that they decided and either ran independently or just ran. You know what I mean? Like, I, just, I think there's so much overlapping, so I, I, I not, maybe not see it at this point as a upper class, lower class type thing. I, I still believe it is a bit of a political spectrum kind of thing because you can kind of paint your dot where you think it is if there was more, more of, the, of that spectrum to do it with, and I think that would... How about an insider-outsider kind of thing? Oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely, okay, so you're kind of off mic. Yeah, I see, I see the spectrum as a circle, actually, because I do a lot of food advocacy work, and when I'm in the room, I'm often the most uh, liberal left-wing person in the room. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of libertarians about you know, the food sovereignty issues that I work on full-time. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's more of a circle that when you get to both ends of the spectrum, they're, they're, they're pretty close together sometimes. I mean, what I see, and I've gone to a lot of political rallies that one, people would say they were left versus right political rallies. But, you know, when, when I talk, and I always try to m- make some conversation with the opposite side to find areas of agreement, to get them to concede that we agree on a lot more. I mean, and when we look at the Occupy Wall Street um, movement and the, the Tea Party movement, they were a lot alike, an awful lot alike. I have a friend, Ben Pratt, who's a former state legislator, who says when the hippies and the rednecks figure out that they're both getting by the same people, then <laughs> then we'll have the revolution. Exactly. <laughs> Carolyn Shute wrote a book about that, actually. Has anybody read that? It was The yeah. Heartbreak Lane or something oh, like that? Oh, her latest one is um, Treat Us Like Dogs and We Will Become Wolves, and that's a wonderful book I if you want to read a one. good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, anybody else have a comment on that before we grab the next question? Do you look like you know Ken? Okay. All right. And again, if you're just joining us, my guests in the studio represent a range of political thought, and we usually take your questions on air, but we can't because of the phone system. So feel free to email with questions for any of them specifically or the group in general at news at weru.org or comment on the post about this show on the Facebook page. This is Main Currents. Um, and again, my guests in the studio are Dave Gulia. He's a Trump supporter. We have libertarian Renee Trust. We were first calling her a libertarian leaning 
leaning Republican. Then last time I think we were calling you a Republican leaning Libertarian. Now she's settled, <laughs> but now she's a Libertarian, so we have that covered. Uh, we have a new Hillary Clinton supporter with us today, who's going to be alternating with Steve Godzo. Uh, Ken Gleason's with us today, and uh, Tim Wilson is our Bernie Sanders supporter, who is following the evolution of that. How that happens as a third degree Bernie, your third degree, I'm a third, uh, third, I'm a third degree, degree Bernie, uh, yes. Bernie Sanders supporter, and Betsy Gerald is here from the Green Party. All right, the next question um, that was put in the pile here for general discussion. The Sunday New York Times had an op-ed discussing which of the major party candidates was the biggest liar. Which of them do you think is the best example for our kids? Silence. Gary Johnson. <laughs> Gary Johnson is the uh, Jill Stein. Uh, Jill, Dr. Jill Stein is the Green Party candidate. I, uh, I picked up something from Fact Finder. Internet or whatever, and fact.com, uh, a fact check, please. Something, something yeah. like that. I didn't read it, but somebody told him. I forget where it. I, I mean, I don't. Anyhow, not up to date on this stuff, and 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 their figures were very solidly showing uh, the Democratic candidate as being uh, the most uh, trustworthy when when they got down to facts. <laughs> Anyone else want to weigh in on that? Well, and, and the and question? If not, I can embellish, but... Go ahead. I'm, I'm go going, ahead, I'm going. While you're doing that, I'm going to go to poli- political. All I can think of is I saw this great float when I was in Vermont years ago of George Bush um, with, with um, flames coming out of his uh, liar, liar, pants on fire. And both of, the, both of the mainstream candidates have gotten like four Pinocchios and they've gotten liar, you know, liar, liar, pants on fire. And, you know, it, so it's, it's, I mean, we have two, we have candidates for the two major parties who are the least well-liked and the least trusted of any candidates in history. And that, there's no getting around that. And, and they're, they're each running the same campaign. Vote for me so the other one doesn't win. Yeah, vote for fear. <laughs> Which is exactly why somewhere between 50 to 55% of each uh, people who are committed to one of those candidates is voting. The, in polls, actually, they're a couple weeks old, so I don't know if those numbers have shifted a little bit. 50 to 55% of the people who support either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump were saying that they don't do it so much because they support that candidate, but because they really don't want the other one to be in office. And I heard someone call that political extortion, and I think that that's a great a great way to phrase it. And I'm not sure if I can say. Uh, in our group, in the progressive group, you know, it, it, it has become the shiniest turd contest. That <laughs> <laughs> mine is shinier than yours. And the other thing was, my God, we're faced with a choice of giving up the Supreme Court or putting the White House up for sale. Hmm. Did you want to say anything about that, Ken? Yeah, um... You know, we're back. I'd like to say something about the media. I'd like to say something about the, uh, you know, the negative uh, stuff that's been uh, laid on Hillary Clinton, both Clintons, uh, for years, mainly uh, coming out of the Republican uh, camp. And uh, we tend to buy it. And I got to say, I mean, I don't know what to believe. I mean, there's just so much stuff out there, and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I like to go to these things. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the facts if we can, because impressions is you know millions of dollars have been spent on spin spin doctors, uh, getting us to believe stuff, and you, you know somebody you make an accusation about somebody can be totally untrue, but it's out there. And there's some people that are saying it will jump to the conclusion that it's true, that it's easy, it's what they kind of expected from that person anyhow. And it's just, uh, you know, where's the truth that's going to set us free? I I, I don't know. Well, there are political fact-checking organizations out there, and a lot of the uh, mainstream media newspapers do fact-checking. The the four Pinocchios one is... Are you thinking Washington about Post? PolitiFact? Is PolitiFact one is one, on but the one that does PolitiFact does pants on fire, and then the four Pinocchios is the Washington Post. I want to say I'm not sure, but there are you know so there are mainstream media outlets out there that are that are doing the fact checking for you, and people need to do their homework. And yes, 
And, um, you know, there's a lot of low-information voters out there. None of our listeners, of course, but a lot of <laughs> low-information voters out there. And, and uh, we just need to do the best we can to educate them. Uh, Renee, did you want to say yeah, something? I, I totally, want to hear from I, Dave, too. You know, I totally get what Ken, where Ken is coming from, and I, and I agree with him about, you know, the media. But on the other hand, it is up to us to disseminate the truth on our own and to use all the resources that are available to us. And you know what? Um, people aren't plugged in like they think they are. I think it's very sad that there are a lot of people... I run into people all the time that um, think that if you don't have somebody that you can vote, f that you feel you can vote for at the top of the ticket, that you don't get to vote. Or I have run into people that think that, you know, they don't realize they can leave something blank on the ballot. They don't have to fill in every section if they don't know anything about it. And, you know, there are also... Um, people out there who take the the referendum issues at face value. I mean, those are worded very cleverly, and we really have to do a lot of research before we can cast a vote for those referendums. It's so disheartening for me to realize that the people of this state spend so much money that we don't have because of the nice wording of the referendum and the bond questions. Every single one, one through six, this time, bad for Maine. I'm going to just reiterate that. We also have some really fantastic local candidates. I wish that we would have time to talk about them. I think it's really important because it's bottom-up, not top-down. Right. Uh, before we uh, go on to the next question, I wanted to hear from Dave because the question was asking about the, which, of the, uh, which of the two major party candidates is the biggest liar and which of them do you think would be the best example for our kids? and. You're the other major party candidate supporter, the Trump supporter. So how do you want to respond to well, that? Well, I, I was almost not going to, to interact with that one only because I I enjoy this panel and I enjoy our ideas. And, I, you know, and I'm, I'm in favor of not slinging at each other. Uh, so I guess I'll take it this way. I'm, I'm not, I won't engage the first part of that question, but I will say as far as the best example for our kids, obviously um, I will say my candidate, I believe Mr. Trump is the best example uh, for these reasons. Um, he is bringing to attention the lack of respect that we're giving our veterans. And as a, as a person growing up, in past administrations, we were not that way. We were very pro taking care of our veterans, our people who have served our country. Um, Mr. Trump, I mean, he, he constantly is telling everybody that he loves them, and, and I believe that. I mean, I don't really think that's – and you don't hear that. You don't hear that from the other candidates, many of them. Um, so, you know, and Governor Pence, the same thing. I, I just saw a, a clip on uh, YouTube. Uh, he engaged a young boy whose father was, is uh, terminally ill, and he asked him questions about, you know, what, what am I going to do for my father going forward? You know, what are your ideas on the health care thing? So they talked about that, and then he, and he got off the stage and, and, and sort of comforted him. So, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that, I think, in the past. And so I think that that ticket... Um, that they're doing their best on that, so you know, without obviously pointing out our own problems, but to, to keep it positive, talking about my candidate, that's that's I see that as as being a great example for our kids that way. And I appreciate you saying, you know, trying to not sling stuff <laughs> between the candidates. I think the fact that we've been able to meet since spring. I think March was the first time that we got together and hopefully we're going to continue along this track record of being able to have civil discussions. It's it's really impressive that you all have been able to do this, especially when we're talking about the Trump and Clinton supporters, because it's almost like putting the opposite sides of a magnet, you know, and you try to push them together and they're just pushing apart. I, I can't imagine anything more diametrically opposed right now. If the, if the listeners could, if there was a live uh, video feed of our <laughs> Of our audio going on here, they'd see there's quite a bit of knuckle and lip biting, <laughs> tongue biting going on amongst all. And you know, and I, I look at Betsy when I say that only because it, she, there was a couple of things that were said that I could tell that it, she really wanted to engage, but thought, you know, as neighbors, we could probably let that slide for the moment. And I think that we're all doing that. Well, do you ever think we're being manipulated by the major parties to do just this? I mean, we're all sitting together. We're all neighbors. We all yep. live in this community. We can have a good conversation. We can sit down and have a cup of coffee and be fine. Um, you can blame it on the mainstream media to some degree because it does increase ratings to have conflict. But it also, I mean, does some of this stem from they win by, by their portrayal of, of the other? 
Yeah, I think I yeah. It's the, the, uh, Renee and I were having the discussion earlier in the program about the uh, the divide and conquer mentality. It's the way the oligarchs work. They you know they get us arguing with each other, and then they can go off and do whatever the heck they please. And that's you know that's too bad. And that's uh, as I said, that's why I like doing the food advocacy work that I do because it is so uniting. Um, you know, it, it brings people from all. all all uh, across the spectrum. But I wanted to address something that Renee was saying earlier about having to educate voters about um, how how the ticket works and how the ballot works. And, I mean, that goes back to the, the lack of civic civic education in our high schools anymore and that's that's um you know when i was in a senior in high school we took problems of democracy and we learned about how things worked and and um that has that has gone out of our our schools for various reasons and i think it's a real shame i was at a convention of community organizers in new mexico last week and we talked a lot about this that's that maybe that's what we need to do out in the community is much more civics education Tim Wilson wanted to say something, and we'll go to Renee. Uh, yeah, I'd just like to observe that all of us are talking about mainstream media. And I have, and uh, you know, I'm obviously a third degree burner, but I have right now a lot of sympathy for Mr. Trump because he has an impossible task getting a positive message out. Everything on the negative side is blown way out of proportion. I saw it with Ross Perot, I saw it with Ron Paul, I saw it as part of the Bernie Sanders campaign. And getting somebody to objectively present somebody's whole person and whole position is very difficult. Uh, and it's, you know, it's whoever the mainstream media presents, they, the, the coverage is totally tilted. Um, Renee so Trump? go to original sources. <laughs> right. Good point. Yeah, Renee? I highlighted something from this article I read um, recently, and I wish I had the rest of the article, so I'm just going to read the quote. Um, the quote is, the federal government holds about, oh, it was about student loans, about 93% of the $1.3 trillion in outstanding student loans. That makes the Department of Education effectively one of the world's largest banks, but one of one that rarely deals directly with its customers. And I, I was triggered into remembering that when Betsy was talking about the Department of Education. You know, we're getting a lack of education. We keep throwing more money at it. And we've got all these people in this massive debt over it. And they're not learning, um, you know, the basic things like our own government. <laughs> mm -hmm. And remember, Jill is the only candidate that has said that she will cancel all student debt. And she has a plan for that. I, I'm not saying that that would be the solution. Um, not, oops, not by a long shot. I, I mean, <laughs> what I'm saying is the whole thing needs to be revamped. I don't think forgiving the student debt deals with the problem. Let's get to try to get to one more of these questions on the table. Maybe we'll get to two before the end of the program. Um, I keep checking news at WERU.org. We haven't had any other questions or on the Facebook page. But in a couple of weeks, we'll have the phone lines back, and you can join the discussion here on Main Currents. All right, let's talk for a minute about election fraud. Missing ballots, party registration changes, vote totals that are massively different from the exit polls, et cetera, et cetera not voter fraud, which has been proven again and again to be inflated. That might need some clarification from whoever wrote yeah. it. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously I'm talking about the, 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 um, the information that came out at the beginning of the Democratic National Convention about how um, what was going on within the party, um, trying to tip, putting their thumb on the scales for, for um, uh, Mrs. Clinton. And... Um, you know, maybe maybe we don't need to talk about this because this is a really divisive <coughs> issue. But I just wanted to to. Uh, it's okay to talk about divisive issues. We I know just we just have to do it carefully. Yeah. Um, I just I I, I think that uh, what I, I guess my point of it was that there's a difference between election fraud and voter fraud, and I'm afraid that those two things are getting conflated in the conversation right now, and that and that you know that it's been fairly well proven that there's very little voter fraud that goes on, and there's a but there obviously is is massive amounts of election fraud that has gone on during this primary season. So I like that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tim Wilson. And I would say also Mr. Trump has caught a lot of flack for saying the system is rigged and that this election is going to be rigged uh, and 
you know, based on the primary, just among the Democrats, there is no question that's going to happen. Uh, there are, I think, lawsuits in 12 states right now. Um, uh, to address election fraud, quick, do you want a quick summary on what? Sure. Yeah, uh, the, the two-minute two version left. is this, is that in places where voting was auditable, the, uh, the entrance polls, exit polls, and voting results all aligned. In places where there were machines that are not auditable, the exit polls, entrance polls agreed, but the voting results were wildly different, way outside the bounds of uh, statistical probability. Uh, so the chances of that much change, uh, and, and also in the Republican primaries, the exit polls matched the voting results, all by the same set of companies. So it's the chances of there not being voter ma manipulation of the votes, of the election, is like one in 700 trillion, or I think was Yeah, the, I, wrote, I wrote down this It's a big number. Let's just say it's a big number. You have much better chance of winning the lottery. Um, <clears throat> so, but... 77 billion. 77 billion, excuse me. So, oh. so, uh, <laughs> so, you know, this has happened, and this is one of the things that the burners at the convention are going... There's corruption. It's not being addressed. There's voter fraud. There's no outcry from the president, from the leading candidates, anything. It doesn't matter who, how the, who won. It's where is the fair process and the fight for a fair process. And whether or not it happened, there should never be a question about who won an election in the United States. We should know that our votes are counted correctly and then whoever won, won. You know, Brexit in, in, uh, would never have happened in the United States. Uh, you know, and we've had this on the Republican side, too, you know, the Bush-Gore questions. Um, this has been going on for a long time, and we're, you know, the wealthiest country in the world. We should be able to have a voting process where we each know that it was a fair vote, and that would cause a, go a long ways to establishing a trust in government. And, and just to go one step back, just the process of getting a third-party candidate on, on all 50 state ballots is so onerous. And, and uh, you know, if, if the, the libertarians are fortunate in that they were extremely well-funded and they were able to, to do it. And the, the Greens have been doing it on the, on the strength of our volunteers. And we've managed to do it in most. But, but the, the deck is stacked. It's really, really stacked. All right, we have about uh, two and a half minutes left, so if you want to each take 30 seconds to have a final thought uh, as we go around the table, or you can opt out. No one's looking like they're dumb to the microphones. <laughs> I, I just want to quote Dr. Stein, the politics of fear has delivered everything that we are afraid of. So I want you guys out there to vote your, your hopes and not your fears. That's Betsy Garrell, Tim Wilson. Uh, I think we, we need a miracle. I think we need to come together and make one. And I think we need somebody in the White House that we can trust. So I'm going with Jill. All right. And Ken I think Gary Johnson's a good choice, too. <laughs> Ken Gleason? Yeah. Um, again, I, I would love to be uh, supporting the liberals of the Green Party. I mean, the ideals are very appealing to me. And... Uh, it's just interesting and different, but I I just feel the uh, the uh, the conflict, the partisanship, the, uh, the radical different uh, points of view, and the that uh, that are you know the negative stuff is too overwhelming, and and I and I see my candidate as being the best to help that. Okay. Um, hi, I, trust? I, yeah, our process is far from perfect, however, and especially with the election fraud. However, um, we still have the best system in the world, and I, I wish everybody would get involved with their political process and become part of it, do your civic duty. That's it. All right, and Dave Coolia. Well, just please give everything, everybody a chance. Uh, do your reading, do your research, just look at everything. Um, uh, Renee said it, so I, I'm going to take the opportunity. Uh, vote no on all six. <laughs>
right. Except five. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk about the uh, the referendum questions in upcoming programs. This uh, multi-partisan uh, crew will be meeting again in two weeks, hopefully with phones working so we can take your calls. We're thinking we might be taking on the uh, legalizing marijuana question. We're not 100% sure. We'll see if we can get a, somebody who is involved in that um, movement to join us on the program as well to answer questions. I'd like to thank John Greenman for engineering main currents today. I'd like to they're all giving you thumbs up, John, and you missed it. <laughs> and now all of you out there listening know as well. Um, I'm Amy Brown. Join me here every Wednesday at four for Main Currents, independent local news, views and culture. Next week we'll be leaning on the culture side as we'll have some more main storytelling for you. And uh, keep the phones ringing at one 800 643 We've got Democracy Now! coming up next, and then we've got Jazz... uh, No, actually, we've got Summer Night's uh, special programming for Pledge Drive coming up after that. But keep calling 1-800-643-6273 and keep it tuned here to your community radio station. Support independent media, WERU-FM. Thanks. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Maine Farmland Trust. Presenting Agarian Acts, a traveling dinner and concert series with Adam Nordell and Friends, August 25th through 27th 